Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. I am Janelle. I used to be the executive pastor here, so I have um, strong connections. I kind of say that I thought as I was introducing myself or thinking about how to introduce myself. Why do I say that? Is it just so I sound important? <laughs> Sounds good, eh? I was the executive pastor, but um, that was before I got fired. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't get fired. I got politely asked to leave. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so my family and I, I am married to Michael and we've got four young kids and we've been going to this church for many, many years, um, which is a wonderful thing. And so thank you for inviting me to speak again. Um, Now, I am sure that that you have all had plenty of time on the beach this summer, Um, but I am the only one at the front, so I get to show you my snapshots. Um, So it's just what is going to be a slideshow of my summer holidays. Um, If you're lucky enough to be an Insta follower of mine, you would have seen this one uh, coming up. That's the title of what we're talking about today. There we go. So every summer we go to Gisborne, which is where Michael is from. His parents live like that's their backyard. Those are my feet there. So that is the beach we get to enjoy every summer holidays or every every school holidays, actually. So this is where we spend a lot of our time, which is a beautiful place to be. Um, Now, for those of you that don't know too much about me, I do like to run. I don't like to run. I run, and I do that long distance. Um, and I particularly love to run in Gisborne because it's flat. So there aren't there aren't big hills to run up. Well, there are big hills to run up, but mostly along the coast, it's nice and flat. So I do my runs. But occasionally, I challenge myself by running the sand dunes. So there's a bit of undulation there, and running in the sand's always harder. And as I um, have been running over the years, I keep thinking, man, there are so many great life analogies running because there are pathways that go here, there, and everywhere. Um, And so I think this would make a good message. We'll we'll see if it actually does make a good message. Um, I'll show you the beginning of the run. I didn't take the phone with me on the rest of the run. So that's the beginning. And if you can look into the distance at the, um, the, the heads in the distance, not the one furthest away, but a little bit closer. It's called McElroy Heads. That's where I'm running to. So I start from here and I go head towards those hills over there. Now along the way, there are a lot of splits in the path. Not so much intersections, but splits. So it's you have to choose one way or the other. They lead you in different directions. Some paths are straighter and well-traveled. Some paths lead down to the beach and some lead into the main road. Um, some follow the top of the sand dunes um, and others are a little bit tricky. You wonder sort of why people have gone, you know, down that way. Um, but they all do lead you towards that end. Um, and you don't have to stretch your thoughts too far to figure out the analogies that, that I would present here in terms of pathways and the, li- uh, the life that we lead and what we choose. But this year in particular, I was reflecting on those points where you get to that split in the pathway where you have to decide, am I going to go this way or this way? And uh, this is because in 2019, I made some pretty significant decisions for me and for our family. Um, 
And so it just, it just, I get all philosophical when I'm running and seeing these things and thinking, why do we choose one way over the other? And how involved is God in our decision-making process? And, um, and ultimately, if you look even with research, but I think you all intuitively know that we make decisions because there's some sense of um, satisfaction or achievement or happiness or next level that we're aiming for. And so we make a decision to get us to that sort of almost better thing, what's best for us, what's right for us. And I know that sounds kind of selfish, but that's the truth of the matter. And sometimes it is a sacrificial kind of decision that we make, but ultimately it is this idea of um, I'm, I'm going to go this way because I feel like for now this is the right thing for me. So, what were these big decisions that I made last year in 2019? Um, well, as I said, I was working here at the church, um, but halfway through the year, uh, so my youngest son had gone to school at the beginning of the year, so that was all of my four children at school, and there was the opportunity to take up full-time work in my old career to kind of pick up where I left off. And so, that was a process, that was an, uh, a split pathway, if you will, of Am I going to leave what I, what I love at church? Because I loved working here. I loved the team. I loved working for Vic. I liked the coffees that he made. Um, I liked being a part of this vibe and help making this happen. Um, and, um, but also I was very keen to get back into um, what I had been doing before because I also loved that. And I remember talking with Vic and at one point, and Vic was very, very supportive not because he wanted me to go, but um, because he didn't feel like anyway was a, a wrong decision. But um, he just said, it, you know, there is, it does sort of determine the trajectory of, of where you're going to go from here. So um, it was sort of a very, it weighed heavily on me. But I did decide to um, go back and in, into my career as a strategist um, for local government. So I started that through the year and that started a pathway that I was on. And uh, the other big choice was um, my husband and I decided that we would start looking for a house. We were sort of outgrowing where we were. Um, we have been in Hobsonville Point for eight years, so that's a community that we have grown to love. And, uh, but we sort of had this, this um, love affair with the house in Herald Island, and it was sort of on and off again, and it was very much a decision of, again, a split pathway of are we going to choose to move to a, a different community or are we going to stay where we are? And that was an agonising decision-making process. But ultimately, we chose to move. So that was another big step um, along the pathway for us as a family. So now, the theory would go that if you choose something and you use wisdom that we know from, from scriptures and you involve God in your decision-making and you choose something that seems like the right thing at the time and it seems like bigger and better, that that's how it would feel when you arrive at that next decision. Um, but I don't know if I can honestly say that. So isn't it the case that we always say, you know, when, when, there, when you get more, you want more and that kind of thing. And it was uh, funny reflecting on our house move decision because that was mostly about the kids and providing more space for them. And there's a pool there, and that's very exciting. And so we feel like we live in a mansion now, um, an old rundown mansion, but we feel like we live in a mansion. And we were invited yesterday to um, some neighbours who live just up the road. <laughs> and, and their house, their pool was 
over twice as big as, as our pool and their house was definitely twice as big as ours and their lawns and everything were like four times as big. And you sort of think, man, well, we haven't arrived yet, you know. Um, and the same thing with the job. It's wonderful. It's something that fits me really well, but I still have to go to work and get up early. Uh, there's still people at work and that can be irritating. Um, <laughs> so it's not always you follow these things but it doesn't always feel like you've arrived. And I bet this is probably your experience as well when you choose these things. This is just the human experience that we pursue these things for, for various reasons and yet we still have a sense of not having arrived or there's something more ahead of that. Fortunately, there is a book in the Bible just about this experience and this is Ecclesiastes. I love this book. It's... Um, it's sort of a follow-on in the wisdom series from Proverbs because Proverbs is, is all about if you, if you, you know, it's a cause and effect kind of thing. If you do good things, you get good things kind of thing. And Ecclesiastes is a, little, is a little bit of a reality check of, hey, sometimes it doesn't always work out the way you think. And it's this questioning about our life. It uh, validates my critical nature and my, oh, my cynical nature. So if you're someone who's a little cynical about life, read it because you'll feel like, ah. Oh, there are parts of the Bible that really, really get me, you know, and, and it's, it's ironic and it, it makes me laugh often as a cynical person because it, if you read it, you'll know what I mean. It goes through and it basically, he just throws up his hands and says, life is meaningless, you know, and um, it's not worth doing anything and I don't know what anything means. So I'll walk you through that a little bit today. So here we have this wise ruler. I am going to call him Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes. Scholars will always argue about authorship, but um, if it wasn't Solomon, it was a ruler of Israel, and a son of David, and someone who's very wise. So I'm going to call it Solomon, or at least the spirit of Solomon. Um, so this is Solomon's pursuit to find out, essentially, the meaning of life. So he goes through, there's 12 chapters in that book, and he starts off, he's a very wise person already. God has given him wisdom. And he starts off trying to understand life through wisdom. And then he decides, well, I'm just going to experience everything there is to experience. And there's a funny verse in there that, that says, I thought about it for a long time and I decided I would cheer myself with wine. You know, <laughs> who doesn't get there in the end? <laughs> Um, then he turns to, I'm going to build bigger houses and vineyards, and I'm going to figure out systems. And, you know, I'm sure he did everything with excellence. And yet here's what he says in 1.13. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. And I observed that really it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. So there's your motivation for 2020. It is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Now go out there and do nothing. <laughs> but let me talk a minute for me, for, about that word meaningless, because it is all throughout, or it might say vanity in your versions, but uh, that is a Hebrew word called hevel, and it is more literally translated as like breath or vapor or smoke. So I wasn't actually in Auckland the day this happened, but I saw the plethora of images that came through. Um, and the description and pictures show the, show the effect that the Australian bushfires had on Auckland. Um, and, and people that you talk to say it was actually quite irritating because it was like wearing, you know, tinted glasses but not being able to take them off. Like you knew what Auckland looked like clear and now there is this haze here. Um, and this is the sense of that word of meaningless or hevel is that it is, you know that there's something clearer than that 
which you can't quite make out what it is, or you, you know that it's sort of obscuring your real, the real picture of it. And so when he says it's meaningless, it's more like I can't quite find the meaning there. We can't quite see it. But we do know that it's there because there's Auckland on a clear day. All right, so the very fact that we know that we're not quite seeing it well means that there is something there um, to be seen. But even if we could see that meaning and see that clear picture of our lives, even if we could find our utopia in the decisions that we make and arrive at where we really want to be, life still throws us the unexpected. So let me take you back to my running path. Uh, this year I chose to just, and quite often do choose to take the road more travelled, um, and because it gets there quicker and there's less sort of grass to, to whip your legs and whatnot. Um, and also because people have travelled this path uh, more frequently, they've kindly laid bridges where there's streams that you've got to cross over. So I decided to take that pathway this year, but all the bridges were broken. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what had happened in the meantime, but I get there and there's an unexpected challenge that, um, that was out of my control. And again, this is like life, isn't it? So even when we have chosen the best thing, sometimes life throws us a curveball and things happen. And I can assure you that Solomon had thought of this too. On one hand, he says that applying wisdom and making good decisions and becoming successful should lead us to an incredible life. But he realizes that no matter how wise he is or how much he has attained, life is not something that we can ultimately control. And as he reflects on this, it starts to get a little bit dark. <laughs> good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. In Ecclesiastes 7.15, it says, I have seen the death of good young people and the long life of wicked people. And in 9.11, this reads, I'm reading it differently to what you see there slightly. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. I'll read it from there. The strongest soldier does not always win the battle. The wisest does not always have food, the smartest does not always become wealthy, and the talented one does not always receive praise. Time and chance happen to everyone. So it's not always that the thing that we expect to happen happens, right? Life can simply be cruel, random, and unfair. And this is more hevel, this is more smoke, haze. But if we stop there, it's quite depressing. <laughs> and it even says in Ecclesiastes, if, if we can stop there, but we will be people like this. People leave this world no better off than when they came. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. And I'm sure we've all been there. When the reality of life hits you, that is how you feel, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. But we can't stay there. So how do we prevent ourselves from becoming like this? Uh, as you read Ecclesiastes, um, or even as you journey in your life and have these experiences, you can feel like nothing really matters. But that's not the point. Throughout the book, Solomon pauses to draw the conclusion that even though life is smoke, we still need to live in a way where we can find contentment despite the unknown. And here's what I've recently disciplined myself to do while I'm running, is quite often I'm looking down at my feet and at the track, and uh, I, I looked up once, and I see this amazing coastline. 
not sure if I can see it in this next one. You can. And I'm thinking, why am I not appreciating this as I'm going? You know, I've chosen this track and I'm running on it and it can be boring if I'm looking down at my feet. But when I look up and gain a bit of perspective and see the coast and realize I'm breathing fresh air and looking at that goal ahead, it's actually quite a wonderful experience. I am living in that moment and that's important for us when we've chosen something to remember to look up and gain a bit of perspective and realize that you can appreciate what's going on in the here and now. And this is, thankfully, there is a conclusion uh, that Solomon comes to in Ecclesiastes. I'll read it to you. It's not on screen, so just, just listen for the things. Pretty simple. After looking at the way things are on this earth, this is Ecclesiastes 5, 18 to 20, if you wanted to follow. Here's what I've decided is the best way to live. Take care of yourself, have a good time, and make the most of whatever job you have for as long as God gives you life. And that's about it. That's the human lot. Yes, we should make the most of what God gives, both the bounty and the capacity to enjoy it, accepting what's given and delighting in the work. It's God's gift. God deals out joy in the present, the now. It's useless to brood over how long we might live. So this is God's gift to you, that you can enjoy the present. You can enjoy the moment. I know, like I said before, that life is unpredictable. The only certain thing really is that we have a beginning and an end. But our, our gift is the present and our ability and capacity to enjoy the experience as we live it and make the most out of it. Now, I know that's easy to say, especially on a day like today when it's really sunny. It's easy to feel really positive, but our lives do not always feel positive or sunny. Um, and I want to show you... Well, that's nice too. That's a way of summing it up. <laughs> Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. That is also in the Bible, but it's a good quote. This is my grandpa, Harold, who passed away on New Year's Eve, just been, at 98 years of old, uh, age. He was my last grandparent left, so it was quite significant for me. But um, my grandpa, so he was born in 1921, so he lived through a lot of things. And he did not have an easy life. Um, he served in war World War II, um, and he lost his wife. He had five children and lost his wife to a tornado that came through the town. Um, so that was my mom's mother and her parents and plenty of other people who were camping um, in Minnesota in a and a campsite, that fascinating story. Um, but he had gone out to get supplies with some of his sons and came back and his wife and many people had died, the tornado had come through. So he lived through that great tragedy in his life. But every time I met with Grandpa, there was never complaint or bitterness about that. He would always just say, God is good, which seems too simple and frustrating really, but that was his conclusion of all the hardships he had faced, that God is good. And uh, in his funeral, um, there was written down in the pamphlet this, uh, this letter that he had written during the war to his sister. He had written quite a few. But I just want to read it to you. <clears throat> I am at present sitting in a heated building on the top of a four-story factory in the Navy Yards. I am one of ten who operates a large anti-aircraft gun. We eat, sleep, and work with the Navy and Marines and get along swell together. 
I cannot thank the Lord enough for this place, as it has given me much alone time with the Lord. There aren't any Christian boys here. I cannot cease to marvel at how the Lord works out every little detail of our lives if we just ask him to. Must close now and remember one is never so busy that he or she can't look up and worship God. So to me, that's fascinating. Someone who has lived through tragedy and seen many pathways of life, good and bad. And he says that the Lord works everything out. And he's almost happy to be in that place. So to me, that's someone that is just letting God do his work, accepting his lot in life, and enjoying the experience for what it is. And I think we have a lot that we can take away from from that. So we make the most out of the pathway that we're on right now. This doesn't excuse you from living a life that is full of wisdom and integrity. In fact, I hope that it pushes you towards that because I do think there are great things that come from making good decisions um, to the best of our ability. And I just want to close with this. Bang on six (laughs) o'clock. I love to finish on time. This is something that the book finished with. This is the final verse, I think. No, I think it finishes on 12, 14. This is the one before the final verse. Um, I didn't have time to figure out why this was the conclusion of everything. So I want you to think about it. Go to the very end of Ecclesiastes and think about why this was the final conclusion. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. The final verse says this, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. I suspect they throw that in there so that we're not let off the hook to just live life however we want to. (laughs) But you may have a better reason. Think about it this week, if you will. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.